Welcome to a Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. If adversity builds character, this guest today has character coming out of his eyes uh, the way things have gone this year. He's a former Admirals goaltender and now Edmonton Oilers goaltender, Troy Grossnick. Troy, good to see you. Good to talk to you. It's been um, in, in, a, in a year that has been unstable for pretty much everybody. Uh, it has been heightened for so many professional athletes and especially this week, yourself included. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. Like it's good to see you guys again. And yeah, it's been kind of crazy, like is the best way to put it. And, um, you know, just, you know, you talk about pro athletes, but kind of like the number three goalies right now seem to be the guys that were just kind of world travelers and, um rent don't die yeah it's it's funny the way everything happens I mean I think we knew going into the season um you know everyone had kind of said even before free agency like this might be like a year where you're going to have more opportunity and um just with the short and compacted schedule and and everything like that so it was definitely exciting for for us um and when I say us, I mean kind of guys like in my spot, like uh, Eric Comrie's become a good friend over the last few years. And um, we trained together. Well, pre-COVID, like I would get up to Kelowna and he would train in Kelowna too. And um, so, so like I keep in touch with him and like he kind of went through a little bit of this last year too. He did. I was going to say he was with three or four teams before he came. He was with Manitoba and then he did the rounds and then he finally yeah. got back. So, I mean, yeah, it's neat that you have, someone to bounce things off of like that yeah so like I mean we've been talking and obviously he's bounced now to New Jersey and um it's it's one of those things like it's it's like everybody in in these COVID times you know you have to take things as they come and take it a day at a time and it's all you just do with the best with the information you have and you know the way way the waivers kind of work um once that kind of first domino fell, like all of a sudden you could kind of see like the openings, like, and all of a sudden it was just like the second the goalies on waivers, like there's a good chance that team that got left behind is going to snag him up. So I think we're still kind of in the middle of the carousel right now. Like don't really know if it, when it'll end or if it'll end, but um, you know, from my perspective, like, it's a, it's an opportunity that I've been waiting for, for, you know, four or five years now. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, can make the most out of it. And with quarantine, you got to wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Like that's the hard part. But like I said, it's it's things we knew, uh, we were going to have to deal with this year. It it comes with the territory. And, um, you know, I've just been kind of saying like, if a seven day quarantine is what it takes to play in the NHL, like I'll do it. And you can do it. So first, let me say that I believe that uh, Aaron and correct me if I'm wrong here, Troy is the first player that we have had on for a second appearance. So uh, congratulations on that. Way to go. Thanks. That's a big big accomplishment. I feel honored. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Second, let's just, uh, let's take it back and, and rewind maybe a month. And, and just give people a, an idea of what you've been through. So you signed with L.A. in the offseason. 
Yeah, let's uh, go and, back to Christmas. Yeah, so yeah. first of all, let's talk about why why LA. You don't have to talk about why it didn't work out in Milwaukee or anything like that. Like that that's whatever. But what what was appealing to to the situation in LA uh, for you? And then talk. Let's take you through about you know getting out there and all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... You know, LA it just presented like a firm number three opportunity, like at the very least. And um, you know, Quickie's been a great goalie for how how many years? Um, it's weird to say because he's only a few years older than me, but um, and he's and he's got some time left on his contract. But um, things happen as you get older. And um, Cal, who's a great goalie, didn't have a ton of NHL experience and um, it just felt like the right fit for a guy like myself. That's a pretty established, uh, you know, American league guy, number three guy um, looking for an opportunity. It just kind of everything fell into place that the opportunity and the money. And um, I don't hate golfing in the winter either. Uh, (laughs) So, so that helped. Um, but yeah, those were kind of like the main reasons, like really it was, uh, like I'm getting to the point in my career where, you know, I feel like I can make an impact in the NHL, but, uh, it's all about finding that opportunity. And it was really, it was, it was primarily an opportunity based decision. So the, uh, you're out in, in California, make the you you go out there, uh, first of all, you did you you drove out to California. Let's just lay the groundwork a little bit. Oh, no, what... I didn't. You didn't. So, I uh, so the way it was is this is actually a crazy story too that I didn't even tell you guys before. So we didn't really know, like we had heard rumblings of like when the NHL is going to start up again and all that type of stuff, and um, I had kind of seen on Twitter some of the guys were getting back to their NHL cities. And so Maggie and I actually, we refinanced the house. And so we were actually leaving like the signing of, of all that stuff. We just finished that up. And I had said, I should probably get my oil changed uh, to get, to be ready to go, to go uh, out to California. And we had already decided that I was going to go out because I was going to have to be there before Christmas and Maggie and the kids would join me after. So my next stop was I was going to get my oil changed at the dealership, at the Jeep dealership in Minnesota, and my tire pops. Oh, and no. I was like, and I mean, I can change a tire. And so I, I called Maggie because Maggie was going to pick me up while the car was getting serviced and all that type of stuff. And we were going to go back home. So I called Maggie. I'm like, so my tire just blew. So I got to change this tire. Uh, like, I'll let you know. So I was able to get into this parking lot and I went to change my tire and I have like uh, one of those lock nuts yeah. on the tires and I couldn't find the key for it. And so I was like, oh man, like, I don't know. I don't know what to How do. do. So I, called the, I called the dealership. Like we end up, end up it's going to get towed to the dealership and we'll figure out what to do from there. Well, literally as the, the guy's putting it on the hauler, the, the GM for the rain calls and he says, okay, like we're going to want you out here Sunday so that you can get this quarantine over. Um, when do you want to fly out? 
like, do you want to drive out? And I was like, bad time to call because <laughs> my plans just got thrown for a loop as it is. And he's like, okay, you take care of that. And so then the, you know, at the dealership, they're like, well, you got an all wheel drive, but like we might want to put, put four new tires on. And so like, I was talking to Maggie about all this type of stuff and Sound, hold on. Like, sounds sounds well, very typical of like a uh, you know car salesman. Well, I mean, geez, you got this well, opportunity yeah, well, right here to put like, four new tires. We'll balance them for you too. For whatever reason, it's always something right before we move. One one year right before we left, like our basement flooded. Like so, it's always something. Yeah. But our uh, so we, I'm talking to Maggie. And I was like, you know what? Maybe if I fly, like if I fly out and we just ship the car, like I have a few extra days with you guys. Like we'll celebrate Christmas early with the kids. Um, so we ended up just being like, cause the car was ready like in a day or two. Um, all new tire, like new oil, like everything was good to go. So I could have driven out, but I decided I would spend the extra couple days um, with the family. So I flew out on Sunday uh, and then the car ended up getting delivered about a week later. Um, so yeah, like it was, that was a whirlwind in and of itself, but yeah. So I, I flew in, um, a week and a half or so before the camp in LA started and I had an eight day quarantine there and, uh, got that done with car came and then it was kind of full on into camp and, uh, yeah. The, the hockey. Go ahead, Aaron. When, I was going to say, when did you find out out there that you wouldn't be playing in Ontario, that, that everything was going to be moved to L.A. or the L.A. Kings training center? I think it was it was within the first couple of days of camp that they pretty much said that. Mm-hmm. Like, they train the, – the range Ontario, train. I bring this up because Ontario is a beautiful area. Right. We, you know – You'd been there more than us, but I've only been there the one time that we played out there, but just awesome area. Yeah. So like the rain actually um, train at the same facility as the Kings in El Segundo. So, which is, I mean, you're right at the ocean there. Like, so it's an awesome area. I mean, the only downfall is basically you have an hour, like hour and a half drive to Ontario on game days, um, which they have a bus and stuff set up. So, um, it really wasn't like going to be a big deal. Cause everybody lives by the training facility anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wasn't going to be a huge issue. And it was never really like, I don't remember them like making a huge deal about it at all. It just kind of got passed through the grapevine that. No, and you bring up a good point them. because yeah, I, I had forgotten that that's what they do, that they practice. Everything is kind of out of base out of that base there. Right? Yeah. Ontario. Yeah. I think the first year that they moved out, the rain were based in Ontario and like they practiced out there. And then I think they changed it the year after. Yeah. So, and so coming out of, out of rain or not rain out of King's camp, you you're on, you're making the the team, right? Like uh, the, it was uh, Cal was uh, he was injured, I think. Right. So you're, 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 you're you're playing in the first two games or at least you're backing up uh, quick in the first two games uh, against the wild who are now coached by your former coach Dean and Admiral's former coach, Dean Evison. Yeah. It was funny. Like, so it was just, there's like no one tested positive in LA, but they're obviously being very careful about things. And it was actually, so it was like the day 
we had like a big, the first three days that we had like the extra days, we did kind of like informal scrimmages. And then towards the end of camp, we had a big like black versus gray game or whatever. Um, and they had kind of told me and, and Maddie Villalta that we would just be, be backing up. And like, that was what we had heard for like the two, three days prior. And then all of a sudden at like nine 30 the night before we were going to do that game, uh, Billy Ranford texted us that we were going to split a game. And I was like, okay, they just changed their minds or whatever. Right. Then I got to the rink. I got to the Staples center. Um, first of all, like we had a, another goalie, uh, Jacob Ingham, who he wasn't supposed to be coming to the game. And he was all of a sudden he was on the bus with us to the Staples center. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Like maybe they just like change their minds or whatever. Well, I get in the locker room, the Staples center, and I'm the only goalie in my locker room. And they had told us that we were going to be kind of split up. So I was like, oh, maybe like just to Cal or Maddie be, to be safe. Right. Yeah. Maybe they're just in another locker room. Well then, uh, one of the video coaches who I actually played junior with Derek Johnson, uh, is putting the lineup on the board and I'm the only goalie and I'm circled. And I was like, what is going on here? So like I pulled DJ to the side and I was like, DJ, what's going on? Like, is there a situation? He's like, yeah, there's a situation. Like you're going whatever. And I was like doing my routine before the game and Billy, Billy Ranford pops by and taps me on the pads. He's like, I'm assuming you, you figured it out. And I was like, yeah, I'm playing. He was like, yep, you're going to be going the full game. So like I ended up playing the full scrimmage. Like it came, like there was a couple like close contact type scenarios where guys had to, you know, do the protocol or whatever. So it turned out like I was going to, I was going to dress the first real, like the first, uh, regular season game so i did and i actually bumped into dean oh and did it's funny because dean yeah i bumped into dean like um and i like i said hi and it's funny because dean is the one that actually gave me the nickname goose i was just gonna I'm, i was gonna mention uh, that so so i've got a i put a goose on my uh la helmet and i i hadn't heard like it was supposed to be coming in like that day and it wasn't at morning skate and they said, if it's here, like, we'll bring it for the game. And so I was like, I told him, I was like, hey, I, I hope this helmet's here. Like, it, like I got the goose put on it. And uh, he had, we had a good laugh. But it wasn't there for the game. It actually came the next day, okay. which is kind of a bummer. I literally, like, I think I got one or two practices with my goose helmet and then got And got, got shipped picked. off. Yeah. So, d- so d- tell everyone how – what. How did you come about? How, how did Dean give you the name Goose? Uh, so he called when I got traded, he pulled me in and uh, he just kind of explained the situation. And uh, we were playing a three on three that weekend. And he said, Lindy's been kind of, he's been carrying the load for us. Like he's going to go the first night. You'll go the second night. But the second night we played in Milwaukee in GR back in Milwaukee for a three on three. And he was like, Lindy's going to go the first night. You're going to go in GR the second night. And then we'll see what happens the third. But he's like, I'm probably leaning on going back to Lindy on Sunday because of the travel. And Lindy played well. We won. 
Like I played pretty well in GR and we won and like, like I kind of knew like Dean kind of just had said, like if Lindy plays well, like he's probably going to go on Sunday. So he ended up playing again, but he was just kind of like explaining the scenario to me. And he was like, what does everybody call you? And I was like, ah, gross, grossy, grosser. Usually like that's, that's what everybody calls me. He's like, well, I'm going to call you a goose. And I was like, I'm all right with that as long as I can call you Maverick. And <laughs> uncle out of that, and then Goose kind of stuck. Like that's so to me. That sounds like a that that that's like a classic thing that Dean would do. Like yeah. no one has ever called you Goose before, and he just decides, shit, shoot, I, I, I'm just calling you. I'm gonna call you Goose, and that's a perfect yeah. retort too, because he sort of reminds me of Maverick a little bit. Yeah, it was funny. I mean, there's a story, too, where for a while the boys were calling me Maverick. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we like, it was funny. Like, it just kind of stuck. And, like, I, I mean, I'm fine with Goose. I've been called far worse. Yeah, right. So now what – that mask just goes on the shelf now, I suppose. Huh? That's a collector's item, one of one. Yeah. Beauty to behold. Yeah, it's funny because like I was really excited. I, um, I worked with a new painter and uh, they were awesome to work with. And I still don't know. I think I might because so the white the white helmet I had that I was using with the Kings, they put decals on it, Kings decals. Um, so that's actually I dropped that off at the front desk here in Edmonton. Someone's picking that up to put Edmonton Oiler. But I right. might might. Uh, switch the back plate out because the back plate um, of the one I had done for the Kings was like pretty cool and pretty special. I um, there's a few few of the tributes that I've always had, but uh, I wanted to get something with the kids on there. So uh, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but I, there's like a Spider Man kind of in front of a sun, and that's for each of the kids because uh, we sing the Spider-Man song to Beckett before bedtime. And we sing, uh, you are my sunshine to Claire, uh, before bedtime. So, and there's, I mean, it's, it's black, white, and gray, so it's not going to be too much of a mismatch. So I'll probably switch out the back plate onto the Euler decal one. That's pretty good. That, that's pretty neat. Yeah. That's a, the, the, the goalie helmets and the explanations for what's on there you know, it's, I, I think it's fascinating. And, you know, for some guys it's, it's pretty basic, but for most guys, there's a lot of thought that goes into it and it's, it's personal, right? It's a personal, it's, it's personal equipment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I like to incorporate some of the team stuff, but like, if you look on my mask over there, I've been lucky enough where most of the teams I play for, I'm able to have some sort of nautical thing. So I'm always able to get like the flying Dutchman ship for, oh, for union right there. Yeah, other just like kind of little Easter eggs. I put more on the back plate this time because when they were talking to me about the strapping system that I was able to use on this one, I basically had the full back plate. So there's something for like my housing family in Cedar Rapids. There was like I always had my grand my passed away grandma's initials, uh, a teammate that passed away, um, and then like the Wisconsin. And American flags are always on there. Uh, and an Alvis Kotlops tribute. Um, I don't know if you guys know who that is, but he was he was my brother's coach for the junior admirals. Yeah, yeah, we know yes. that. 
Yeah, right. absolutely, Noam, yeah. Um, pretty suddenly and, and obviously very sad situation. And he had an impact on not only like my brother and, and uh, his team, but really that whole organization. So there's always a tribute to all this on there too. You talked about the, the being a third goalie, second goalie. So you, as Charlie said, you, you're in the lineup, you're in the, you're on the card for the first couple of games. Um, but the way the taxi squad works is like the minors um, in the fact that you have to clear waivers and how much you obviously want to worry about your own situation, but how much were you paying attention as to what was going on? And I, it, it sort of starts with Henrik Lundqvist having the heart issue in Washington. And that kind of got a lot of dominoes falling because then moves are made and Washington needs a guy. And then Mike Smith has an issue in Edmonton, right. obviously. And I mean, all of these things. Corey Crawford on. retires. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Like as a goalie, you're kind of paying attention to goalie things more so than anything else. And I mean, I'd never really get too wrapped up. Like I didn't even know Mike Smith was hurt. I knew that Forsberg had gotten taken yeah. um, by Winnipeg, um, which was because Comrie got taken by New Jersey. Because right. it's Corey was, Crawford retired. Didn't have the option to sign Craig Anderson because they had, he had to sign in Washington and, like all the, all the dominoes, like you say. So I, I knew if any year I wasn't necessarily safe on waivers, this was the year. So when they told me that I was going on waivers, I kind of looked into it. I had already known Forsberg and his whole situation. Um, and well, cause he was actually claimed by Carolina first. Right. And, right. Then, and then they tried to waive him. Yeah. And then, he, and then from Carolina, he went to Winnipeg. Right. But we, uh, yeah, I kind of, as I researched it and then I saw Smith was going to be out, I was like, okay, like there's a good chance that if they don't make a move and are able to trade for somebody that I'm going to be getting claimed. And so I kind of, I'd never been claimed on waivers. So I didn't know exactly like when people what happened or anything like that. Um, and so like, I just kind of, went about my business and then uh, nine o'clock, like I was actually getting ready to, to get on the ice. And I mean, we weren't going to be on the ice for a while, but I was just doing my normal preparation when, when Rob Blake called and, and said that I was picked up on waivers and then a, a whole new series of events starts. Yeah. Uh, was, yeah. I was plugged into it more than I normally would be. I would say. Um, I definitely knew that there was a chance that I'd be coming up to Edmonton. You say, so you said you're plugged into it and it starts a whole new adventure. It's, it's so funny. Charlie talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the difference between flying, if you're sent to the minors or whatever, flying and driving the, in the NHL, the seven day quarantine, if you fly the two day quarantine, if you drive all of this stuff. So you get claimed by Edmonton, then what happens? So, Maggie and the kids are still back in Minnesota because just with Thank everything, goodness. yeah, just with everything going on, we kind of, you know, we decided to slow play it. Uh, we had actually, we closed on a place we were going to be moving in kind of mid February. And until then, like I would either crash with a teammate or 
uh, find find an Airbnb for while, while the team was there. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you're on the road half the time anyway. Um, so that was kind of the plan because the, the place we found was just kind of like a perfect setup. And um, the only downfall was that it, it was mid-February before we could move in. But we decided, you know, what of all years, like this is the year to take things slow. Right. Goodness, we did do that. And, uh, yeah, so – Rod tells me that I'm picked up a few minutes later. Uh, Ken Holland calls, tells me about their situation. And um, he asked me if, if I was going to fly in like tomorrow or the next day, I was like, well, I got my car here. Like I don't mind driving. Like I can be picked, packed up pretty quick. So I'll just drive. And um, I also didn't know like exactly where I'd leave my stuff in LA. Right. Uh, whereas like up here, like, uh, I mean, I'm pretty close with Carzy from playing with him at Union and over the past past year in Milwaukee. And sure. um, I knew at the very least, like, Carzy would let me just, if something else happened, that I could leave my stuff here and not have to worry about it. And obviously, it's funny because, like, Heels reached out to me. He's from up here. Duncan, right. Siemens, Duncan Siemens re- reached out to me. He's up here. Um so like all those guys, like I just knew more people from up here. So I was like, I'll just drive. I don't have much stuff. Um, so I packed up everything I needed to at the rink, tied up all the loose ends there, um, packed up the stuff. I was actually at Mark Alt's apartment a few nights before that because um, his family hadn't come in yet. So he had an extra room for me. And then uh, so I packed up all my stuff Um Eva, who's like kind of like a hockey ops person for LA, dropped off some paperwork and I was on my way up to Edmonton by around noon and stopped for the night in Ogden, Utah. Was up early driving and then uh, I was in the mountains in Montana when I got a call that from my agent and I couldn't, I could barely make out what he was saying most of it, but then I got into a spot where I had some reception and he asked me if I crossed the border yet. And I said, no. And he said, well, stop wherever you can because the, the Oilers just put in a claim on Aaron Dow. And I was like, so now a million other things are going through my head. Um, and he kind of said, if they get Dow, you're probably going to be put back on waivers in which chance there's a good chance. You're just going to be going right back to LA. Ontario. Um, yeah. So, I, I was like, what's going on? And this was like probably just afternoon. And I, and by uh, the way, by the way, you, you were teammates with Aaron Dell, right? Deller was with me in San Jose. So yeah, like, yeah. had history together. Um, and like, it was one of those things like, because obviously Deller kind of passed me up in San Jose and then he's going to take this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Like Deller's a great guy. Like I love Deller. Like we're we're friends. Nope, but it's out. kind of one of those things. Like you know, you just had to laugh at the irony of it. <laughs> and uh, so I, I mean, obviously, like my head's going a million different ways. Like I've been working for this opportunity and feel like I've been able to play in the NHL for I don't know the last few years. And so I was just like, this is kind of like a little bit of a heartbreaker if this happens. So I pull over and. Um, the football game's going to be on at one. And I, uh, I was like, well, at least I'll, I'll grab a couple beers or something and I'll watch, watch the football game in, 
in the hotel room and camp out until waivers hit tomorrow morning. And so I grabbed a couple beers and went to the hotel. And uh, like I said, it's probably just before one o'clock and I walk into the hotel and I was like, I was hoping I could get a room for the night. And the guy goes, okay, well, I can reserve one for you, uh, but you can't get in till three. Cause that's when you got like, I'm in <laughs> Helena on a Sunday. I'm one of two cars in this parking lot. I can't tell me that there's no open rooms. And he's like, ah, I'm sorry. Housekeeping's doing their thing right now. I can't get you into the room until three. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I can't go to a bar or restaurant to watch this game. Like, what, what are my options? Like, it's not like my cell service is great to like find a way to stream this thing. So I just, I just turned the car on and I found it on the radio somewhere. And I just, I kind of had a tailgate and, you know, had a beer. In, 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 in a the, parking lot. In the parking lot, radio on. That's how I was listening to, to the playoff football game. And so the first half, I basically had a tailgate in, in the parking lot of the hotel which I won't name in Helena, Montana. And well, uh, at three o'clock, they let me in and I was able to watch the games. Honestly, and you, you know what that reminds me of? I think it's from Meet the Parents or, or Meet the Fockers, where he's at the, he's at the gate of a, uh, uh, of a plane, the only person at the gate. And they're first, they got to call, okay, group, he's in like group six. Okay, group one, we're, you know, come on aboard. And, he said, and he's like, can I go? No, you can't go. I don't know if I remember it was that movie, but that's that's what I pictured is you stand at the hotel and the guy's just staring at you and you think he's joking, but you're like, he's like, nope, we don't have any availability until three o'clock. It's only one. Like, I was like, can someone throw me a bone today? Like, yeah. need one. Like, I was, it was funny though. Like, at the end of the day, like, I mean, obviously it's one of those things, like sometimes life throws you lemons and I was just, kind of like going through my head, positive things. I was like, well, it's been a beautiful drive. Like, I it love is a my beautiful family. drive, huh? My family loves me. Uh, the Packers won yesterday. Uh, you know, everything's not terrible right now. It's okay. Like this too shall pass kind of thing. And it was funny. Like I just kind of yeah, camped out, did my thing that night. And I was, I was up early and like, but I couldn't really do anything. Like I was up at probably seven in the morning. And I, but I can't really go anywhere or do anything. Um, so I filled up with gas just cause I knew I was driving somewhere. I didn't know right. if I was driving south because if, if I did get put back on waivers, my plan was probably going to be to drive to salt Lake just in case something happened where you I get picked I, up by somebody else. If I got picked up by somebody else, I could go East West wherever I needed to go from there. Um, so I was going to drive probably down to Salt Lake for that night if I, if I got put back on waivers. Um, and I was obviously driving north if, uh, if Dellard got claimed by somebody else. So I, uh, I remember, it, like, so I gassed up. Like, I had the little takeout breakfast from, from the hotel and, and a coffee, and it was, like, 9.30, and I was just sitting because it was 10 o'clock mountain time that the waivers would come. And I was just sitting in, in the just scrolling Twitter and then like passing time. And so at 9.59, I turned my car on 
And I knew I was either going to see it on Twitter or my agent would call me. But 9.59, I turned my car on and like I just start scrolling Twitter and like refresh, refresh, refresh. (laughs) And like, honestly, like it had to have been like 30 seconds past 10 o'clock mountain time. Uh, The Pierre Lebrun tweet came. Aaron Dell claimed by New Jersey. I was like, that's it. Like going north. So I started driving like five minutes into my drive. My agent calls me. He's like, hey, you can drive up to Edmonton. I was like, yep, I already saw it on my way. We're doing <laughs> like I was on my way. And then, I mean, it was funny. I don't know. Like I have to cross at the Coots border. It's called. And I mean, it's in the middle of nowhere. But um, I don't know exactly what's going on. But it was there's a big group of people in there. And I was like, how are this many people trying to cross the border here right now right. ended up they were all in the same group i don't know exactly what they were doing but i know they ended up getting turned away really um, and but my pro like it took me like three and a half hours at the border um wow. just my work permit and everything like that i was gonna say is is there an edmonton person that meets you or calls you or has sent paperwork or how does that work uh, they called me and like we were in constant kind of communication um they had called me they had given me all the paperwork that i needed i just kind of had to hand it over to the border authorities um and they kind of just said hey if you're having any trouble reach out to us let us know but yeah i mean it was a process just to i mean obviously because that and that's the only you said that that's the only border canadian u.s border uh entry spot on the whole border that's available? No, well, just for the the pilot testing program. That, oh, gotcha. So like, that was the only place where I could kind of go into this program where instead of having the full 14 day Canadian um, quarantine, I was able to get into this program where <clears throat> they swab you right then and there when you cross. And then in a day or two, like that result comes back and that takes, because until that result came back, like I literally, like I could only stop for gas. I could only stop at a drive through for food on my way up to Edmonton. And once I was at the hotel, like I was in my room and that was it until that test came back negative. And then some of the restrictions came off, but then um, like, I'm still not, technically like fully cleared into like the full and clear population. Like obviously everyone has restrictions on them right now, Um, but I'm not even cleared into that until my second test um, through Alberta health comes back negative, which you get six days, six or seven days after you cross. How far is it from the board from how far is it from LA to Edmonton uh, and how far is it from the border to Edmonton? Edmonton's very far North. Yeah. It was like uh, 24, 25 driving hours from LA to Edmonton. And then I want to say it was about five and a half hours or so. After you cross. After I cross five and a half, six hours. It's after. interesting because it's supposed to be 37 driving hours. So somebody was speeding a little. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I was speeding a bit, but I Google <laughs> maps it 
like and so i knew like <laughs> i would probably make it and under i think when i google maps it, it said 25 hours so and i knew, obviously like, so you immediately know what your goal is to beat because i think everyone does that right i'm gonna well, google map it i gotta beat that time yeah i mean i was a little bit that way but i was also like i mean this is gonna take two days at least so yeah. i mean yeah. and my goal was to do it in two days obviously i had the the wrench thrown in that right. made it three days instead. But I mean, it all worked out. So he got here, you know, happy, healthy, safe. Right. Yeah. And, and ready to go pretty soon after, you know, one more day or so. Right. That was actually the other, that was the other funny thing was the weather was beautiful. Obviously like you don't have to worry about much snow, like on the South portion of the drive, but like, you know, once I was kind of like into like the Salt Lake area and stuff, I was like, hopefully they, like there's not too much snow. And like that first day, like up into Salt Lake, there was nothing. And then even when I left Ogden, like it was nothing. It was clear. Um, the weather was beautiful. And then so obviously I had the force stop. And when I walked outside that morning, it was snowing. And it was like just throwing salt on the fire. Like, <laughs> and I was like. I was like, if I have to drive south, like this, this one's going to sting. The snow kind of slowed down. Like, and as I drove north, actually, I was probably only in the snow for about half an hour and then everything cleared up. So it was all good. The, I, I, I asked you this because I was, I was legitimately curious about this, that, you know, you go to LA, it's a warm weather spot and suddenly you get picked up by Edmonton, one of the coldest places on earth. Uh, and did you had a, I was curious if you had a coat, a winter coat. Yeah, I've got, so I brought a winter pea coat cause it was, it was, uh, pretty chilly when I left Minnesota. Sure. And so I just wore my winter pea coat, like to the airport and stuff. This is actually a pretty good story too. Now that you mentioned the coat. Uh, so the day before I got picked up on waivers, I was running low. Oh, not running well, but I had a good amount of laundry and I procrastinated it. And I was like, I'm not going to like, I'll, that, that's a tomorrow Troy problem. Today, <laughs> Troy's pretty tired. Today, Troy just wants to sit on the couch. I'm not going to do laundry today. Well, there you go. Get picked up. Now I've got all this dirty laundry. I get all this dirty laundry into, into a huge duffel bag. And I was like, Oh, this just became like three days now Troy problem. Right. <laughs> so I get packed away and uh, like I get up here to Edmonton and after I got um, that first negative test result back, I, I went downstairs and I asked them like if they have a laundry room here and they said, uh, we don't have a laundry room, but we've got a laundry service. I was like, okay, that Great. can work. Well, I look at the rates and it's like seven bucks per t-shirt. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I've been in the NHL for a couple of days now. I don't have, like, I've got a lot of laundry. Like I'll end up paying like 500 to $1,000 by the time. Like, All you this is done. Through. So I, I texted Lizzie Carr, Dan's wife. And I said, hey, is there any chance that I can do some laundry at your place? And She's like, well, we've got workers here right now, like fixing some stuff, but I'll come pick it up for you and do your laundry for you. <laughs> I was like, that's, 
unnecessarily, but greatly appreciated. So Lizzie came and picked up my bag of laundry and she brought it back to me a few hours later. And I was like, Lizzie, I can't tell you like how thankful I am. Like I owe you a bottle of wine or something at least. And uh, she said like, no problem, no problem. Well, then I get back and she, she says, you know, it's going to get cold. And I know you've got your winter pea coat, but I put in one of Dan's like thick parkas in there because it's supposed to get really, really cold this week. I was like, thanks Lizzie. Like not necessary. And then on top of it, all my laundry was folded too. And I'm like, Lizzie, <laughs> I can't thank you enough. Like, I think you went from like a bottle of wine to like two bottles of wine and like two bouquets of flowers too, or something. Well, yeah. You should bring it but, down to maybe she could get a bucket shirt at least. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was first class service. <laughs> that's, so, that's really what, great. Do, as once you get claimed by Edmonton, do you look at their roster to be uh, to be like, who do I do I know anybody on the team, or or does that is it just like, well, you're gonna know someone who knows someone. Like hockey's a small world. Yeah, for sure, you're gonna know someone that knows someone, and generally, like, I mean, I know where all my closest friends are anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm going to know someone that knows someone. Um, there's a few like, like random people that, that I played with, like at college or something that would say like, Hey, you know, tell this guy what's going on. Like that we know each other. So yeah, hockey's a small enough world where even if you don't know anybody, you know, someone that knows someone. And like, that's just, you know, you kind of uh, work your way in there. You're, you're like, good. I'll, I'll go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say it's, it's an exciting time and yeah, and hopefully it, uh, it starts some, uh, some traction for you here in the NHL and get some, get a game or two or at least to start and, and hopefully a whole season. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the hope, right? Like it's one of those things ever since, uh, you know, I had my first shot and, you know, I kind of went through the ringer for a while, but felt like I've been ready for an opportunity and, um, it's just what I've been working for. Right. So, um, all you can ask is for the chance and hopefully uh, looks, looks like I'll get that chance. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, have fun and work hard and, and do whatever I can with the chance and let the chips fall where they may. And that makes this all worth it. Right. I mean, the bottom line is uh, whatever AHL city you're in is the second most desirous position for you. The number one being, any of 31 any, NHL, NHL teams. Yeah, for sure. And like, that's kind of what I said before about like leaving Milwaukee was I, if there's a city in the AHL, I want to play in it's Milwaukee, but sure. you know, there's 31 other soon to be 32 other cities that I want to play pro hockey in. like Milwaukee is always going to be at the, the top at of number the 32. You, yeah, you know 30, what you, you bring up a good point though, because you get some run in, in Edmonton, Seattle is joining next year. That's three more top three jobs that are going to be open in the next year. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like next year seems far away. We're taking things day by day for now, but yeah, yeah. like there's more jobs on the table, obviously next year. And I mean, who knows, right? Like I, I kind of, it's one, been a little bit of my mantra over the past, I don't know how long. I, just control what you can control because at the end of the day, that's all, all you can change. You can't change the circumstances. None of us can um, 
you know, none of us can go out and like kill this virus ourselves, but we can do our best to protect ourselves and our loved ones and wear masks and that stuff. You know, you control what you control. And at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty exciting too, though, to be going to an Edmonton team uh, that is playing in the all Canadian division, which I think is like, that's so cool. Like uh, we've heard a lot of, Hey, they should make this permanent. Like Canada, Canadian teams should just be in their own, in their own division. I actually think that's a cool idea. And then to play with guys that maybe the two most exciting players in the NHL right now uh, to, 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 to skate with them in practice every day and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's definitely like something that I'm looking forward to. And um, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you know, you watch these guys on TV all the time and I've been fortunate to be around the game long enough that, you know, it's not as much of a shell shock to me anymore that right. you know, he's on the ice with these guys. But um, it is like it is exciting, especially when when, you know, you, you have a guy like of Connor McDavid's skill level and you get to kind of match up against him every day in practice. And uh, it'll definitely be fun um, to have a guy like that playing in front of you. Uh, I want to know, I want to know eventually, and this will be down the road, but what the ice is like, because the old Coliseum was revered as having the best ice, right? The old, the old, the old rink in Edmonton. Dean Evison actually told me one time that the ice was so good there, it made him look fast. So (laughs) I'm, I'm curious. I, I, so again, this is a conversation for down the road, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see because certainly McDavid shows that the ice is, is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things like, like goalie's definition of of uh, good ice can be a little bit different, but it's generally it, like you I just don't, don't know want any bounces, right? That's that's the big thing. Bounces and like I, I'll notice it more like sliding or um, stuff like that. Whereas obviously <laughs> those other guys, but like generally, if the ice is bad for me, sliding, it's not like it's, it's not like it's not an inverse. Like it's yeah. the same the same thing that makes good ice for goalies makes good ice for, for forwards and defensemen too. Very good. Charlie, you have anything else? No, I don't, I don't have anything else. That was great. Well, yeah, we really appreciate your time, Troy. Uh, I hope you stay well. The family stays well, all the best to all of you and, and best of luck, man. Um, you're getting the opportunity and I know you're ready for it and we we're rooting for you. I appreciate it guys. Yeah. You guys stay safe, stay healthy. Uh, obviously a bummer that you guys aren't playing this year, but, uh, you know, you guys will always be, uh, you know, part of our family. Like you guys treated us so well while we were there and thinking of everybody in Milwaukee and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you can become Oilers fans or Predators fans for the season without Admirals hockey. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to, uh, seeing you guys down the road in the summer. No, you gave us you. You're giving us a reason to stay up a little later on on the NHL here. Yeah, so absolutely. Stay up and see these uh, West Coast games. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to do that. All right. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. That's Troy Grossnick. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.